Tonight, we're going to talk about something that we have avoided, even though we get questions about it a lot, and that is child training. And it's kind of funny how this came about, actually, because Elisha had an idea of a podcast he didn't really want to do, and I had an idea of a podcast I didn't really want to do. So we got on Instagram and we're like, guys, we have some ideas, but what are your ideas? And you guys gave us a lot of ideas. A lot of them were about child training, so we're going to answer some of those questions. But it's kind of funny because some people were like, you should let Katie pick. It's her birthday. And other people were like, you should let Elisha pick and make him a happy man. And Elisha and I were like, don't call our bluff, guys. We don't want to do either of our options. Anyways, okay. So we're going to dive into this podcast. It's been long enough. Uh, yeah, let's go. I do want to say before we get going that Katie and I have been so blessed in reading you, your folks' reviews on, on iTunes. It means so much to Katie and I. And oh, yeah. Could I read one? Yes, read one. And while you're pulling that up, Katie, I just want to say that I think it, it means so much to me, and I really want to make a point to thank you all because Katie is very active on Instagram, and she's able to correspond with many of you listeners uh, via Instagram. But I'm not really on, on Instagram or on any platform where I'm able to communicate with you all. So I just want to make sure that I'm able to say thank you on this podcast to all of you that have left a rating or a review. Yeah, a lot of our listeners are either women or if they're couples, for you couples out there, I guess, the wives reach out to me. And Elisha's like on a little iceberg out there. So I have to, I screenshot some of your messages when you say that the podcast has blessed you and send them to him so he knows. Uh, but here's one from CYNHRS. So you know who you are. And it says, I so enjoyed this podcast. I often listen while I'm out running. Sometimes the podcast makes me laugh and sometimes it almost brings tears because something they said resonates so well with me. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Votberg, for being vulnerable in order to help other marriages. And that made my day because it was so sweet and inspirational because yeah. you're out running and also because you said we were Mr. and Mrs. Votberg. So that was awesome. Yeah, that makes <laughs> me feel pretty good. Okay, well, we'll get this week's episode going. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. Well, like Katie already said in the introduction, we've been avoiding the topic of child training for some time. I think we started getting questions about child training right at the beginning of this pot, right when we started this podcast yeah, I over think a year ago. Leon like was breathing his first breath when people were asking about child training. And then once we started the podcast, we started getting a lot of requests for it. And I think it's it's really telling that people that were asking us about child training were people that 
are not with us in person on a regular basis <laughs> <laughs> or around us and our I children. Think that's one reason why we're like, we don't want to do this because we're around actually like my family tells me all the time how well behaved our kids are. Yes, that means a lot Which is a blessing. I think we're probably harder on ourselves than anybody is. Definitely. And I think you always see your kids' flaws. Well, it's twofold. One, you can think your kids are perfect. Yeah. And two, you can sometimes see their flaws in a way where other people think they're well-behaved and you kind of know like more the ins and outs when they're acting up. But I think it's also telling that this is such a need. I think and so. Elisha and I feel the same way. Like if any one of you shared something about child training, we would tune in and we would listen. Yes. Because we are just like sponges wanting to soak this up ourselves. And I think it's so cool that you guys are out there also wanting to, to learn. Yes. And be invested and involve parents. Yes. And as Katie and I, basically what we're saying right now is we don't feel qualified at all to speak to child training. And I don't think we are. I don't, I don't think, think, yeah, I don't think we are because yeah. it's like Leon is turning three in a couple weeks. And it's like, how do we know if what we're doing is a good idea or a bad idea? We're yeah. obviously doing our best, but is is he full of character? Is he going to respect his elders? Is he going to you know, commit to the Lord and understand his need of salvation. Like mm-hmm. we have no idea. Yeah. So we're kind of like just walking in the dark here. We are. And that said, the, the, the Bible does give us some clear direction in certain areas. And I think that what I love about our children being so young is I really feel like we are given the opportunity to grow with them. And right now as a three-year-old, Leon is not making life-altering decisions he's really not. We're Mm -hmm. able to really modify his behavior. And I think at this young age, it really is behavior modification. And you don't want to carry that on their entire life. Obviously, there comes a point where the heart truly matters. Mm -hmm. And I think you you want to make efforts to have the the heart of your child at a young age. But at the young age, you already have their heart. Mm -hmm. I think it's always so remarkable how when when I discipline Leon or I correct him or I reprove him, and he, you know, is upset for a moment. He he comes back to me so quickly. And oh, yeah. I think that's just the heart of a young child is they, they just want to come to you and run to you. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes it's easy to be fearful of, you know, pushing your child away because maybe you feel you're being too hard on them or you're being, you know, too, you don't want to, you don't want to ruin that relationship. Maybe discipline them or correct them. Yeah. And, uh, cause we, we all believe, at least I do that having your child's heart as they, as they get older in life is so important. But right now I think it's, especially with young children, I just am confident that we have our children's heart and why they are young. We're, we're worried about behavior at this point. Yeah. I think Elisha and I, we've obviously watched a lot of different families grow up We ourselves were raised in such a way that our parents were able to keep our hearts. But there is a season when we're little. Both Elisha and I, too, I feel like we're in the older half of our siblings. So we saw the younger half getting raised. And there's just the season when they're toddlers and babies where life is black and white to them. Mm. They don't have fully functioning cognitive abilities where they're able to, like, just, like, see the whole world and like I there's a term I'm groping for and I don't know what it is (laughs) but basically their brains aren't fully developed in a nutshell and I think sometimes as parents it's tempting to want to sit down and explain to them all the reasons why and why you're doing what you're doing and give them so many choices or options or things that we as adults would want Mm -hmm. and as children 
they can't even sift through all of that. They just need their training to be black and white yeah. and their safety in that for them. Yes. Oh, if I do this, then this happens. If I don't do this, this happens. And that's really all they need to focus on until they get a little bit older. And again, our kids are all under three. So that's in the season. That's the stage of child training we are in. Yes, definitely. And, you know, Katie and I have a lot of role models that we look up to when it comes to child training, mm -hmm. because I mean, I mean this so literally, it's multiple times a day where Katie and I look at each other and we you know, we see our children's behavior or we see their disobedience and we're like, dang it. Like we really, we need to get on the stick. We need to be a lot more vigilant in keeping these trend, these uh, children trained and disciplined. Um, and I feel like that is, it seems like that's the constant journey of a parent. You know, mm -hmm. it's like job security. You take a day off <laughs> and you see, and you see the fruit from a day off. But with that, when you really are focused for a a short amount of time, you start to see fruit from that in your children's behavior as well. And so on both sides, I love that it's, especially when they're young, mm -hmm. the fruit can be pretty instant, which is motivating, I think, on both sides. Yeah. And when we say fruit, it's just that obeying with a happy heart and not talking back, not whining, not acting out. And I think the kids notice when Elisha and I ask them to do something or tell them to do something and we are going to follow through on that command yeah. I guess you should say and there are totally times when they know that hey it's a 50 50 chance that mom and daddy are going to follow through with this and really that is not fair to them yeah. because the way we are as humans is if we get away with something one time then we're going to keep trying yeah but if something's consistent every single time, that's when our kids know, oh, there's a there's a fence there. I can't cross the fence. Yep. And I think it's just cruel to our kids when we open and close that fence just consistently. Yeah. And that takes such intentional parenting. Yep. And that's something Elisha and I are striving for is are those days when we're just 100% invested. And I think one thing that helps me with that is whenever I ask Leanne to do something, expect him to not do it. Hmm. So I don't give him a command. Okay, I say this. Elisha's staring right at me, so he knows I don't always do this. But my goal is to not tell Leon to do something unless I am prepared for him not to do it. Yeah, and the, and therefore you would take the action to ensure that he that he does it. Yes. You can so follow up. it's like I don't just like, you know, if I have like both kids or like we're in a grocery store and I'm like, hey, don't touch that. And he's like 50 feet away and he knows or he's in a mood where he's going to test me then I don't tell him, don't touch that. Because yeah. I know that I can't follow through in the moment on that command and he's going to test me. And so then he won. That's right. And I could, I wasn't consistent for him. Yeah. And the goal is that before you're in that situation with two children in your arms and Leon yes. 50 feet away from you in the grocery store is to have that type of consistency at home. Mm -hmm. And so that he knows that your voice is a voice of authority and that you do follow through. Yes. when he's disobedient. I mm -hmm. think that's really the goal. Well, like I said, Katie and I have a lot of people that we look up to. And we, I think having a lot of people to look up to, it's a double-edged sword because one, it can make you feel terrible about <laughs> your own <laughs> parenting. Uh, but the positive side of it, and it's almost all positive, is that it really gives you a vision for what can be with your children. Mm -hmm. I think that it's really hard to find parents that are consistent in their child training and as a result, it's really hard to find young children that are obedient to mm -hmm. their children or sorry, to their parents. And so it's hard to keep yourself motivated when you don't see it 
I guess, exemplified out in your life or in your community. So Katie and I feel really fortunate to have a number of families that are maybe 10 years in, in, uh, beyond us, and they, they have multiple children, and we've been able to witness them train, you know, one and two and three-year-olds up through, you know, 13-year-olds in a very, I guess, effective way that's inspirational. And, they, and they've got a very calm, collected, and orderly family, but also a very joy-filled family. And, and so I think that having those examples gives Katie and I this new standard to, or it's not even a new standard. It's just a standard to aim for. And every time when we find ourselves around one of these families, we both look at each other and we're like, oh, that's right. <laughs> that is possible. And it, therefore, it makes us want to strive for that. Well, you just see there's such peace in the child's heart and there's such peace in the parent's heart when the child knows where the boundaries are and they can operate within those boundaries. Oh, yeah. And you can see it in other kids when they are just testing. There's no boundaries, so they're just testing everything. They have no comfort of knowing where they're yeah what's off limits yeah what's off limits and it can be honestly really dangerous with just like basic stuff like running out into a street yes and not listening to your parents that's kind of when elisha and i knew okay we really need to start training leon yes was when he ran out into the street and didn't listen to us when we said to stop yep um do you want to read some verses yeah because i mean katie and i were talking about some concepts around parenting and we're we're not going to get real practical in what we do for for child training because one we feel like we're such students right now and we're learning every day, um, but we will give some kind of ideas and concepts to what we're doing. But I did want to kind of I guess visit the the idea of why why we parent why we train our children up, and I think the Bible gives us some very clear commandments to train our children. I mean the you know the most famous one Proverbs twenty two six is train up your child. Train up your children in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Mm -hmm. And that to me, every time I read that, I'm thinking, man, what an, what an awesome responsibility. What a sobering responsibility that I, I have the ability to train my children in a way that they should go in the gospel, in the truth, in the way of the Lord, so that when they are old, they will walk with the Lord. They will be children of faith. The Lord, he says that right there in the Proverbs. And then another passage that I really think is is applicable is at, when it comes to the why we train up our children. Because one, you can say, okay, well, why do we train our children? And I think the best answer is because God told us to. Mm -hmm. You know, if God tells you to, that's always the best reason to do something. But then in addition to that, I think it's because we love our children. And Hebrews twelve six says, God chastens those he loves. And when I think about that, man, I love my children. God loves me. And the way he shows his love sometimes is by chastening me, by correcting me, by, by keeping me on the straight and narrow, so, so, so to speak. And I think as parents, if we love our children, we should have a desire to train our children, to correct them, to reprove them, to keep them on the straight and narrow path. And then another passage that I really love is Ephesians 6, and it's really kind of 1 through 6, um, or really 1 through 4. But it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so he's clearly talking to children there. But who do you think's the earthly person that's going to hold that child responsible for obeying their parents? It's clearly the parent, I mm -hmm. think, because as it goes later on, it says, so I'll just read it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I love that just mm -hmm. command to fathers to not provoke 
our children to wrath. So we obviously have the ability while we're training our children to do it in a way that's not effective, that's provoking them. But he says, instead of provoking them, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So these verses are really inspirational starting points for me. One, I want to obey God and train my children. Two, I love my children. And so therefore I want to chasten them just like God chastens me because he loves me. And three, my children are commanded to obey me as they're commanded to obey their father. And it's good for our children to obey their parents, Ephesians says. And so I want to help them in doing so. Something that stuck out to me as you were reading those verses is it says to the child, honor your father and mother, because this is the first commandment with promise. And I think we're basically, yes, that's to the children. But like you said, the parent almost is more accountable in this situation. And it's like we can rip our children off from having an incredible promise. Mm by not training them to honor us. Mm -hmm. And like Elisha and I mentioned, in this early stage, that's just black and white. We're just working right now with behavior with our kiddos. And then as they get older, that transitions into a heart issue. And we have seen some families where, and I'm sure you guys have too, where stuff stays behavioral. And it just is like, do the right rules, say the right things, don't ruffle the waters. And then kids hit their teenage years or when they can start making decisions for themselves and their parents do not have their heart at all. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, there are some parents that I see just, you know, sitting there talking their child through like every single, you know, yeah, talking to their two or three year old and their kid is just like, I just can't wait till you leave me alone. So I could go to the exact same thing again. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like that's, I think there's just that balance there. And as a parent, you're just trying to find it, Mm -hmm. I think. But uh, let me see. Can I, do you want me to run through some of these questions? Yeah, I'd love to hear to the say? questions. Are those all the verses? Do you well, want to read off? Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and give you some references, some child training references that I think are so good to have. Uh, it's just nice to have the, the endorsement of the scriptures. You really, mm-hmm. I want as many areas of my life that I can to really be submitted to God's word. And when I've got clear directives from God's word, it's, kind of, it's really empowering. And so I like to have God's word to back up my child training. So like I already quoted Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.15 is another very good one. Proverbs 23 verses 13 and 14. I already mentioned Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4. Proverbs 3.11 is really great. Proverbs 19.18 is really great. And I love, I, I mentioned this too, Hebrews 12.6, just talking about how God chastens us because he because he loves us as his children yeah so i really encourage you guys to go look up those verses and read them because the bible is the ultimate authority not Mm -hmm. culture not psychiatrists not anyone else who says how your child should be raised it's the lord yep and he put everything that we need to know in there so how do you teach your children obedience while also giving them choices this is a question that was asked on instagram yeah, I mean, I don't know if you ever have to give your children choices. They create choices for yes, themselves. I thought of that too. I think it's not obedience if you're giving them a choice. You're like, hey, do you want chocolate milk or orange juice? They get to choose. That's yeah. like up to them because you aren't telling them to do anything. Right. But if you say, hey, you're going to drink the orange juice and not have chocolate milk right now, and they say, I want no, you know, chocolate milk, then that's disobedience. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to be careful when we're giving our kids choices 
know that that's up to them. Yeah. And when we're actually telling them what to do, we need to have like that expectation in our brain. Right. I think that I'm so guilty of phrasing things to my children like the choice is theirs. When so I, true. When I, I need too. to speak authoritatively. I, there are some fun things where, like, like you said, I love it when I'm able to give my, my children a choice to choose between two fun things. You know, mm-hmm. say, do you want to read a book or do you want to wrestle? And they get to choose. It's really fun. Uh, but there's times where I say, hey, would you mind grabbing me this? Or, hey, Leon, do you want to pick up that garbage and put it in the trash? Like I'm talking to or, an hey, adult. Leon, do you want to go to bed? Yeah, hey, Leon, do you want to go to bed? Like, no. It's like, no, I'm, he, you don't have a Why did I ask <laughs> you that? It's bedtime. Leon, get ready for bed. You're going to bed. Or, Leon, you know, you drop that garbage pick it up and put it in the trash can. And it's funny how I, I catch myself all the time setting my children up to, it's like they're not even disobeying because I made it sound like they have a choice. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to do a lot better at phrasing things more black and white so they know when they have a choice because I want to be able to give them options at times. And they know when it's not an option, it, it's a command. Yeah, and it's funny because even Leon, now that he's almost three, he's starting to have his own opinion about stuff. So I ask him to do something and he says, why? Or I ask him to do something and he's like, oh no, well actually I'm going to go do this. And you're mm-hmm. like, that, no. So something that my mom implemented with us and my parents implemented with us that I am trying to implement now with Leon is whenever I ask him to do something, the first words out of his mouth are, okay, mama. And then if he, you know, knows something that I don't know, or if he needs to, you know, if he has another idea, he can share it at that point. Mm -hmm. But his first act is say, okay, mama. And then he can, you know, pitch me on his other idea. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's good. I want him to have that practice versus the knee jerk reaction of why. Yes. Because that's, I do want to train that from, from right now starting while he's young he asks why all the time and something too like at this stage just with the black and white parenting we don't explain to leon why we just say because mommy said so yeah or because daddy said so because he needs to know that obviously we have his best interest at heart we do and he does not need to know why yeah right now and that could be the difference in a situation of him like touching a hot stove of him being like why and just touching it or him being like Okay, mama. Yeah. Like you said, it can come down to life or death. Yeah, it's a really big deal. Where it's so, those times where it's so crucial that they just say, okay, mama, okay, Mm -hmm. dada, and they come to you or they obey you right away. Uh, And then, like you said, if they say, okay, mama, and then later want an explanation, then sure, you've got you know, yeah, freedom to explain, totally explain if you want to. <laughs> and as they get older, obviously we will fill Leon in on why as things become more complicated. But right now he doesn't need to know why I told him to put his spoon in the sink. He just yeah. needs to do it because I said so. Yeah. So another thing I want to just touch on real quick before we dive into a couple more questions is Elisha and I having a united front in front of the kids. Mm-hmm. Just like I was kind of talking about that gate having to or the fence or whatever, having to be consistent for them in order for it to be effective. It's the same thing in our relationship. If like Elisha and I are a gate and the kids push on me and I'll open up and Elisha will stay closed, then they know that sometimes they can get through that gate. So Elisha and I need to know that if he says something, I always stand by it, whether I think it's a good idea or not and vice versa. And then later one of us will be like, hey, you know what? I actually told him he could do this or I, you know. Yeah. But it's not in front of the child. Yeah, we basically, there, cause there's got to be that united front in front of the children. And 
there there there's been a few times where like you said you had told leon he could get he could move the chair over and get an apple off the counter yeah. and i'll say leon get down and he said well you know i actually told him he could and he understands because he's right there in the middle of it okay he, mommy did tell me and and yes. he, he witnessed yes. that all happening but then there are other times where i'm trying to think of, a, of an example where leon will kind of manipulate us and he'll you'll say hey he'll ask me can i get an apple and i'll say no and so then he goes over to mama and says hey can i get an apple and you say yeah. sure and that's where we have to be on the united yeah. front and i say hey katie i said he cannot get an apple and that's where you say okay you can't get an apple in because daddy said so yes and i don't say in that moment well elisha he's hungry and it's 15 minutes till dinner and i don't care if he gets an apple because that is me going against elisha's authority and then leon goes oh Oh, okay, I'll keep doing this. Yes. Versus I just say, okay, daddy said you can't eat any food right now. And then I'll go over to Elisha if I think, okay, Leon's actually really hungry and wants a snack and say, hey, he's really hungry. Do you mind letting him have an apple? And then Elisha will be the one to say, hey, Leon, actually, I'm totally fine if you go in the fridge and mama's going to make you a snack. Yeah. But it's coming from the parent that issued the... The first. Yeah, the first standard, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then something else that Katie and I make a point to do is if one parent is, you know, is enforcing discipline in a certain way and a child's upset about that, we don't let the child go to the other parent for comfort because that kind of sets up a him and her thing. And it sets up the parent as not disciplining in love. In love. That's and right. And saying, oh, this is something wrong that he's, that daddy's correcting you. You need to come to mama for love. Yes. It's like, no, you go to the parent for love because they love that's you. That's right. Because so anytime. So I'm disciplining, yeah. That's right. The kid anytime comes to you're... me and gives me a hug. That's and, right. And I get to let them know, hey, I'm doing this out of love. I love you. I want you to be safe. You need to obey mama. Exactly. You miss out on an opportunity to really show that discipline or that correction coming from a place of love. Because I think that that can be some of the sweetest time. You know, I think of my some of my sweetest memories mm-hmm. with my parents growing up was after they showed discipline or they corrected me in a way that was very challenging. But they did it in such a way that was loving. It was hard and it was brutal. Maybe I cried or I, I didn't like I didn't like it. I didn't like the correction in the moment or the reproof in the moment. But then my parents were following through with love and they were able to really comfort me and love me. And I think that is something that, that children do understand. You know, they, they, they don't need an explanation. But if you correct them or discipline them and then are able to sit there and hug them, you know, and comfort them then they understand that. They're thinking, okay, they're doing this for my best interest. They love me. They really do. And so we really make a point to whichever parent is, you know, showing the discipline, then that's the parent that loves and comforts them afterwards as mm-hmm. well. It's kind of like that one parent doing it, doing the whole process full circle from it's out of love in the first place that we discipline our children. Just like in the Bible, it says the Lord loves whom he chastens. Mm-hmm. And so it's stemming from that. And it's ending with that. Yes. And that's kind of like a full, that's a healthy cycle, Mm -hmm. I feel like, for the child. Okay, so how do you teach your young kids to respect your marriage slash your conversations? So I'm guessing like when we're talking in the car or something and Leon just keeps inputting his input or whining for stuff. Yeah, yeah. that And this is just a common thing, I feel like, yeah. with children. And Katie and I are really bad sometimes about <laughs> we talk over him, talk over him, talk over him, and then just... What's your problem? And then yell, like, what is your deal? Can't you hear that we're having a grown-up conversation up here in the front seat? It's funny, too, it's because Leon... Yeah, Leon's moved to the back seat now. We've got three seats in our 
uh, is it an explorer? A Ford yeah, explorer? we have three rows. Three rows of seats. And so Leon's in the third row. And so he really does have to yell sometimes to get our attention. And he loves it. We have we have a bench seat in the middle, so all three kids were sitting there. But Leon got to move to the back seat, and he just thinks it's the coolest thing ever yeah. to be in the back all yeah. by himself. He loves it. Uh, but he has to yell up to the front sometimes. And, and again, this happens in our living room as well. It happens all over the place where Katie and I will be talking and Leon is trying to get our attention. And I think that the biggest thing that we do is we say, hey, Leon, you let mommy and daddy finish talking. Mm-hmm. And then and then you can say, excuse me. Or then you can say, mommy and daddy, you know, you, you get our attention yeah. that way. And we do want to address that at a young age because I do want our children to respect our our conversations that's something that gets on elisha's and my nerves so much is we know a few kids that we're having a conversation and they come up and just start like talking over you to you and you're like who are you right now like go away well we love kids i don't know it doesn't oh, sound do. like we love no, kids i love my kids that's for sure we love her we love kids uh i really love my kids but i i think it's annoying from an adult's perspective when a child comes up and just starts like talking over you, and interrupting, yeah, interrupting, yeah. yes, it's interrupting. Yeah, we love talking to kids, and we will talk to in, to anybody at yes. any age. But I honestly, I don't want our kids to annoy us, but I really don't want them to annoy other people either. Yeah, and it's, I know it's that setting your kid up to, in social situations for people to like them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think so. There are different, obviously, opinions on this particular subject and so we're not going to like die on a die on the hill of this one i'm already dead no you're not uh (laughs) and but i just know that my parents and katie's parents they made it clear to us at a young age that there are there are some conversations that we can just observe and it's not the end of the world and i think that when you teach your children hey it's all right to just observe this conversation you know you can sit in the back and be quiet while mommy and daddy talk and then they'll they'll talk with you too they'll engage with you but my parents gave me the expectation, and your parents did as well, Katie, that yes, they want to teach you how to interact with adults, and they, they want you to be comfortable asking questions and learning from adults. But then there are going to come times where you're just a spectator, and, and you can listen quietly while something while a conversation finishes up, and then you can participate once it's done. Yeah, something we're trying to work with Leon on, and he's really little still, but I think he can start implementing this, is... When he wants to talk to daddy and mama and we've told him, hey, not now, or we're having a conversation with another adult, he comes over, puts his hand on, say, my arm, and that's my cue to know, hey, I can stop my conversation here with Elisha and be like, hey, Leon, what do you want? Okay, if I'm like not picking up on the cue that he has his hand on my arm, he could be like, hey, excuse me, mama, you know, and then he waits after he says, excuse me, mama, for me to turn to him and say, hey, what do you need? Yes. And when your kids know that your full attention is going to be on them when they approach the conversation politely, it's way better than them just coming to be like, hey, mama, blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm trying to have another conversation, just a second. And so, I don't know. It's just a more orderly way to do things. That's how I was brought up. So, as a kid, I'd always put my hand on my mom's shoulder, say, excuse me, mama, and then wait for however long it took her to turn to me. And I just... I never felt bad about it. Mm-hmm. I never stopped talking aside from those moments. So yeah, and I, my parents listen to me. Like it's not not listening to your kids. It's just just like this says, teaching them to respect either your marriage or adult conversations. Yeah, and I think my parents did the same thing when I was a child. You know, I can't remember when I'm two and three and four years old, 
but I can remember being seven, eight, nine years old. Mm -hmm. And if I interrupted my mommy when she was talking to my dad, my dad made it clear to me that I'm not to interrupt mommy while she's talking to him. You know, he was prioritizing her and showing me that, hey, your mother's my priority right now. Mm -hmm. And then vice versa, if I interrupted my dad when, when my mom and dad were talking, my mom would say, don't, you know, don't, don't interrupt your father. I'm listening to your father, you know, and I'll talk to you when I'm done with him. And I think that was really cool. They exemplified that um, prior prioritizing each other. Mm -hmm. And I love that. That's just the best thing you can give to your children is a marriage that prioritizes each other. Yeah. And even as adults, you don't want to interrupt someone. So it's just a good skill to learn. It is a good skill to I learn. I think sometimes yeah. as parents, we take things so far to being like, oh, well, we need to make sure like their spirit's not crushed. And like, yes, we never want to crush our kids' spirits. But it's like some of these things are just like basic social etiquette things that we can train into our kids. And we don't need to turn them into like these really big, like... Dominant... Uh, yeah, like, oh, we need to talk through this, and is our child going to be okay? Like, just because your child's upset with something, in my, you know, personal opinion, doesn't mean, like, it's not, like, life or death. When they're young as like that. As long as yes. you, yeah, as long as you show them that you love them and you value them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Bible time as a family with young children, how to keep them engaged. You did a great job of that tonight. Wow. I didn't even know we had that question. That is fortuitous. I know. You killed it tonight. Because tonight's Bible time actually went pretty well. And so clearly I'm feeling good about myself. No, but tonight <laughs> uh, I said, first off, I think it's, you've got to be fair to your children and understand they're not going to be able to sit through a 45 minute like Bible time or a Bible session and remember verbatim what you talk about. Because I know I can't do that. And so why would I expect <laughs> my children to do that? And so we sang a few songs today as a family and I let the kids dance around for a few of the songs and then for the last two I said okay you need to sit down now in your chairs and I made the I guess my expectations were very clear don't you don't get up for these ones these are quiet songs and we're going to sit down and sing them softly and they did that and then right when we were done singing I told them that I was going to talk for just a couple minutes I said okay guys I'm going to talk for just a couple minutes and I'm going to ask you both a question about what I said and so you need to listen clearly and so I talked maybe for about two minutes mm -hmm. about God making making everything and then Jesus coming and dying f for us on the cross. I feel like that was like at least seven or eight minutes. Wow, really? You get kind of into your stories. Yeah. Elisha was telling it like a story. Yeah. So he wasn't reading straight up from the Bible. Right. He wasn't reading a story Bible or anything. He was just making eye contact with the kids, telling them the story of the gospel. Yeah. So I guess that kept him a little bit more engaged, like you said, more than if I were just reading from the Bible. Um, but then I, t I did that, and they, and they have their... Each day have their little chairs that they like sitting in. So they're both sitting in that. And I was pretty animated. And I think that kept them engaged. And then afterwards, I just asked them one question that was a pretty easy question. I said, okay, who died on the cross for us, Leon? And uh, and he got, got the answer right I the first time. I think he said Leon the first time. Well, actually, I, 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 did, I, get it, I did it kind of confusing the first time. I go, who died for us? He goes, Leon died. And I go, no, no. I go, who died for us? And he goes, Mama died. I go, no. I go, okay, who died on the cross? He goes, oh, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, yes. And so I had to make it a little easier for him, but he got it eventually. <laughs> Drop him a few more yeah, clues. a few more clues. The cross? Yes, exactly. Uh, and then Lucy, I don't even know if she got the answer right or not, but she tried. Leon told her. Yeah. He said, Lucy, it's Jesus. Yeah. And she goes, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we did tonight. And so I don't know how to answer that question. We're learning with that. And I, I love having the opportunity in the evenings to be able to sit down with the kiddos, work on that as both a time where 
they're seeing me and Katie, they're seeing us uh, read the Bible and they're seeing us sing songs. Now, are they grasping the profundity of God's scripture? No, they're not. Probably not when Elisha uses that vocabulary to speak to them. Yeah, I don't. Which he does. No. Uh, the story tonight was almost going over my head. It was pretty big. But they learned, you know, that Jesus died for them yeah. on the cross. And they also learned that their mommy and daddy sit down and read the Bible, which mm-hmm. I think is a really good thing. And they also learned that we expect them to sit still for for certain periods of time. And I think that carries over, you know, into going to church on Sunday and, mm-hmm. uh, and just setting that expectation for them. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like one way. I feel like this is just how our family does it. And, or how specifically Elisha does it in the evenings. Yeah. And a few ways, like, my mom would read a Becca stories to us. So they're, like, big picture postcard kind of things. If you go to a Becca and, or Amazon and look up, like, the Abeka stories, or I don't know. You might have to Google it, but you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, Elisha told a story. My parents would read the Bible and ask questions. Yeah. Kind of like Elisha does that, mm-hmm. too with the kids my dad would always do finish the verse with proverbs so it's like a wise son and then he'd just pause and we'd be like make it the glad father and be like oh yes or no you know yeah then he would just read the correct answer right and i feel like i memorized a lot of proverbs that way and it made it really fun and engaging or another thing my dad do would do was listen for the word and this is again not at leon's age these are when i'm like six and seven years old mm-hmm. Up until I was 21. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know. Um, but like, Livy, uh, listen for the word was he would pick one word. Maybe it was like ship or, you know, something yeah. that would show up sure. multiple times. Yep. You kind of like scan the passage real quick. And as he's reading the chapter, anytime the word came out, if we weren't getting it, he kind of paused, you know. Yeah. But it, it, it would keep you awake. And yep. every time he said the word, you'd like shout yeah. it out. Yeah. And it's a fun thing to, to yeah. change it up. Yeah. So it's a fun thing. And then like Elisha said, singing. Yes. It's more about spending time with the kids and being intentional and encouraging them to sit still. And like Elisha said, seeing that having them see us prioritizing the Bible, then like, oh, you, they need to really be taught, you know, like over their lifetime, however long that is, they'll pick up stuff. Yeah. We don't need to like try to really pound it into their heads right now yes but i do love the songs i hear leon singing songs throughout throughout the day Mainly and I just, songs from your children's album yeah he does sing songs from my children album <laughs> like, which word for word which blesses me yeah god made the heavens and the earth i love hearing him say that um but then he, he there's other songs he'll go around singing god is the creator of everyone and everything and i love hearing him sing that song um, and so the, over time, I just think you're able to instill so many rich truths in, in your children when you teach them songs mm-hmm. based off of the truth. And that's something that my mommy did for us and my dad did it as well. But my mom really emphasized the songs and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I feel like both of our moms had that in common. We both learned Patch the Pirate songs and like yeah. ATI songs. Yep. And they'd sit on the piano and play. Yes. Would your mom do that? She never played the piano. My mom, oh, okay. my mom couldn't play the piano. Yeah. Well, she just let you in singing. Yes. That's, that's cool. I feel like Elisha and I learned a lot of the same songs. We did. Which is pretty fun. Okay, so that's kind of like what we have, guys. Yes. As far as like, we just are in the trenches ourselves. We are. So don't take anything that we're saying and do it till you're blue in the face. Because yes. none of this is like yeah. tried and true. Yeah, we might abandon it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So we might abandon yeah. our practices. This is just kind of like what we're seeing from other people, what we're reading. We do read 
we're trying to read more on child training mm-hmm. and just trying to separate out the heart stuff and the black and white stuff. Yes. And ultimately going to God's word because everyone will have their opinion on child training. Yes. And because we don't talk about specific parts of our child training online, Elisha and I just want to keep some of it private and it's between us and our kids. I get a lot of messages on Instagram, people assuming I do one thing or another and telling me how I should parent my kids. And you're probably going to get that. Like you're going to get parents telling you how you should parent your kids and siblings telling you how to parent your kids. And I think it's good to take advice and, you know, kind of see if, if someone's ever coming to us and telling us, Hey, you know, your dad's done that actually once Elisha, he came to us and was like, Hey, you can expect more from Leon. Yeah. One time he told us that, like, we want to take that to heart and be like, okay, we totally can. Yes. But going back to God's word is ultimate authority just trumps everything. It does. Trumps everyone's opinions and what they think you should be doing with yeah. your kids. Yeah, the Bible says that in the counsel of many, there is safety. But that doesn't mean that you are obeying the counsel that you're hearing. I think it's so good to hear different perspectives on parenting. But mm-hmm. then you shouldn't let it too profoundly affect what you do. You ultimately have to come to the decision that you're going to live with and you're going to follow through with. Yeah, because ultimately we're the ones responsible for our kids before God. Yeah. No, no one else is going to answer for the the training or the lack of training yep. that we that we did. Yep, you'll answer for that. So anyways, like Katie said, I hope that you folks just are encouraged to continue training your children, you know, and, and like I said, practically speaking, Katie and I don't have any ex- very, we have very little experience to speak from. We, we don't have, you know, a proven track record with child training, but mm-hmm. we hope to, and we are very committed to doing it. And if, mm-hmm. and if we could just encourage you in any way to be committed to your child training, then we would count that as a win. Yes. And so you might disagree with our practices. You might, uh, you know, look down upon our practices even, but if, if we could encourage you to st- be steadfast and to keep the keep the journey going um, with training your children and that we'd count that as a win. And and we hope that we can receive encouragement from you folks as well to just keep keep the faith and keep training our children in the way that they should go. Because when they grow old, we want them to we want them to hang on to the truth. Mm-hmm. Folks, thank you so much. We appreciate you all. Yes. We love you guys so much. Thanks for letting us just like, you know, spill our guts. And I'm thinking back on this. I'm like, I hope I said everything okay. (laughs) 